Hey, Combo Nation, we are here. Can they hear us? Can they hear us? Can they hear us now? Good. <laughs> Combo Nation, what up? What up? What up, everyone? And welcome to episode 353 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Go rate, review, subscribe, punch down on the follow button if you're listening on the Apple Pod. Cast app today's show Dante Milligan of the Brooklyn Nets basketball staff joins in to talk about the transition from coaching at the Division Three level to now working with the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie's finishing point Durant and Dante gives insight on the evolution of the G League, being he was a former player in what was called the D League. A fantastic conversation with Dante. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. Dante Milligan, former player at Pitt, former player at UMass, what was called the D-League, now it's the G-League, um, part of the Brooklyn Nets basketball staff. Welcome to Combo's Court, man. How you feeling today, Dante? Andrew, my man, thanks for having me. I'm doing great, you know, just happy to be alive on this Friday, you know, uh, just, just happy to be here, man. Well, full transparency for the listeners, me and Dante are good friends. Um, But it's really good to get him on here and talk about the professional side of things and take a look into his career and the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Let's start with this. Tell me about your role and your title with the Nets. Okay, so I'm in my second year with the Nets. Uh, My official title is video assistant slash player development assistant. Uh, Pretty much we do a little bit of everything. You know, we go, we do a lot of scouting, uh, a lot of on-court work with the guys, player development type stuff playing with the guys, whether it's three on three, four on four, five on five, and whatever else the assistant coaches or head coach may need from us. So there's been, obviously, it's been a crazy season. I mean, there's no there's no other way to put it. But going into the season, what was the point of emphasis for Steve Nash and the coaching staff as a whole? I mean, obviously, since day one, it was to bring a championship to Brooklyn. You know, no matter how it gets done. That's been the main goal, you know, and, and it's still a goal no matter all the ups and downs that we've had last year and this year. And as you know, the season's still going on, uh, but still the main goal is to hopefully bring a championship. to Brooklyn. Okay, bringing it back to you, you were coaching at the Division Three level. I mean, obviously, it's a huge difference in level of play. Even Division One to the NBA is a huge difference of level of play. Did you have to shift your mindset when you started this new job, just dealing with the best players in the world? Yeah, it's night and day. Coaching in college and coaching the NBA is two polar opposites. Um, in college, you have to wear many hats. You know, you're you're a coach. You know, but then you also have to be a role model for some guys. You got to be a father figure. You know, you got to worry about guys. You know, going to class, staying on top of the academics, not getting in trouble, etc. Once you get to the NBA, it's a totally different focus. Some of the guys are still maybe as young as college guys. You know, but they may have their whole families here with them as their support system as opposed to college guys won't really necessarily have that, you know, and NBA guys are more professional, you know, especially the guys who are veteran and been around the league, you know, so they have their routine, they have their circles, 
um, they have their support systems, you know, um, so it's just a different uh, spectrum. I mean, you've seen so many different levels of basketball as a coach and a player. How important is it to you? Because I've had coaches tell me, hey, it doesn't matter if you guys get along off the court. It all matters what you do on the court. How's your working relationship? How important do you feel it is for a team to get along socially off the court? And how does that lead to on-court performance or does it at all? It's, it's, it's imperative. You know, if you got your guys don't get along off the court, I don't, I honestly don't understand how it translates to success on the court. You know, I mean, you don't have to be best of friends off the mm -hmm. court, but you definitely have to be cordial towards each other and respectful. You know, I don't think any team will have much success if guys are isolated themselves from each other, you know, because it's hard for them to trust each other. You know, when you get in those times of battle, you know, you can't look to that guy to the left or the right if you don't have a good relationship with him and trust him that he's going to do whatever is needed for the team to win. You know, so I've always believed that if you have a strong relationship with your players, you know, have a decent relationship with your staff, you know, then that's a good recipe for success. Is that a challenge at the NBA level when one guy could be 19 and one guy could be 36? 37, 38. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, but what I've seen, especially this year with our team, a lot of the vets have embraced the younger guys, you know, and like, especially in the beginning of the year, like a couple of our rookies would sit there and watch, let's say Katie and Kyrie or James when he's with us at the time working out, you know, when we're done with practice and they want to get their 15 to 20 minute vitamin in and they would just, the younger guys would get their workout in before practice, you know, and then the older guys would usually work out after. So instead of, you know, maybe like trying to incorporate their way into that workout with those guys, they would just sit there and watch. But with our group of guys, Kevin and Kyrie would like eventually invite those guys in to work out with them, you know, and you can see that like it meant a lot to those younger guys, you know, um, and you, I mean, you can see that they still look up to them, you know, and they still respect them to a great amount. You know, but just a small gesture like that, which you probably wouldn't think much of, you know, does a lot for those younger guys. And it also helps instill trust in the younger guys from the older guys if they're working with them on a daily basis. You mentioned Kai, KD, and Harden. What was it like working with those three and how do they separate themselves from the other guys in the league in terms of just offensive weapons? First of all, they're all great guys, you know, all totally different personality wise. You know, mm -hmm. but as an as an individual, if you can have any type of conversation with them, they're very approachable. You know, they'll give their shirts off their backs. You know, a lot of those guys get bad reps in the media for, uh, honestly, I don't know why. I mean, it's maybe their agenda. But personally, they're, they're all great guys, you know. What was your second question? That what they were, The question was, what separates them? I did have a specific Kyrie question after this, but mm -hmm. why is their skill level at a higher level than the rest of the league? Like, what do you feel they do differently? They honestly, they have almost the same workout routine and they do it. Wait, you mean, you, you mean their, each, guy. each guy got you. Got each you. guy has their, their own separate specific routine. Right. And they work at it. It's like at level a hundred every day. Would you say, you know? it's, would you say it's an obsession or not quite? It has to, it has to be an obsession. Right. Especially when you're that great, you've had that much success um you know a lot of people respect your game you know a lot of people look up to you you know you want to live up to the those expectations you know so it definitely does become obsessive um right and I, i've never seen anything like you know this is my first time working at the nba level yes i've known many nba players i've played against many nba players been right. involved in nba workouts you know but being on this side of it and actually seeing these guys at this high up level working their craft at a on a daily basis 
I would definitely say it's an obsession. Most definitely. So Kyrie, in my opinion, I guess some would debate this. I think it's a fact. Uh, he's the most skillful basketball player ever, in my opinion. He's the greatest under the rim finisher ever, in my opinion. But what does he do to maintain that under the rim finishing during the season um, in terms of skill development? That's that's how he starts his uh, his workouts. So his workouts begin with him just like different options. Does, does, does he like rep out different op- options? Is that how it goes? Yeah, he, he improvises on a fly. So it's like there's nobody necessarily really defending him, you know, but he'll do like two dribbles cross, you know, Euro step, and then he'll try to inside finish, jelly it off the glass, you know, <laughs> and then he'll do the same thing. But instead of like inside finish, he'll like high layup off the t- other side of the glass, you know, um, and then he'll do that with the left hand, you know, and then he'll work on stuff like that from different angles but with different moves, you know, that's kind of like how he gets himself warmed up. Does he make know? sure it's even with the right and left hand exactly, or he's kind of – he goes on Phil. Okay, I got you. He goes on Phil. He's not like I got to get to five here and then five got there. Got you. You know, if, if that one feels good, he's done. If he needs three of those, he'll do three of those. You know, is that yeah. type of thing? Yeah, that's interesting. That is interesting. All right, everybody knows that the Nets offense will be good enough to win an NBA championship, but I do think, in my opinion, it comes down to defense. What should the points of emphasis be for your squad on defense looking into the playoffs? Um, just honestly, I mean, we have solid defenders on our team. You know, there is not one team, I would say, in the NBA that's one through five, everybody's great defensively. You know, it's just more so committing to it every possession, you know, yeah. throughout the course of four quarters and 48 minutes of a game. You know, and sometimes guys struggle doing that, you know, because obviously, you know, if you play like if you were scoring the majority of the points on offense and you're getting the kitchen sink thrown at you while you're on offense it's kind of hard to get down on defense and then be expected to guard the best player for minutes. You know, that's very rare. You know, there, there haven't been a lot of guys like that to ever exist, you know? So I think like if we collectively just found just a little more each possession or just help each other a little more, like if this guy gets beat, okay, you get that rotation. And then if that guy's guy dives to the basket, the next guy rotates over, you know, we have more consistent things like that, like playing for each other. then I think we could have more success on the defensive end. No matter how prepared you are physically, like, I don't think people realize how hard it is to be a go-to guy and then give 100% on defense. Like, I don't care how you prepared. Exactly. It's tough, man. I mean, is it possible? To yeah, I mean, look, yeah, like, we see Kawhi, we know? see Jordan. We, I mean, Durant's a great Correct. defender, but yeah. it, it's super but tough. How many, you just named three guys, and there's been freaking <laughs> millions of guys that have come across the NBA, you know? Um, so, I mean, yeah, and I mean, Defense is a huge part, but also scoring is a huge part. You know, we're fortunate enough to have two elite scorers and then a couple of other guys who are very efficient at putting the ball in the basket as well, you know, which a lot of teams really can't say they have as well. So sometimes it kind of, I mean, you got to, it's, it's you, you give and take, you know, like you can't have everything, you know, no team has the best scorers in the world and also the best defenders, you know, the, the salary cap doesn't allow that, you know, so you just got to make do with what you have and just hope for the best. I've been seeing a lot of point Durant. What do you feel that unlocks for the Nets? Um, I mean, I know one of the bigger challenges our coaching staff has had for him since he's arrived in Brooklyn was to look to facilitate more mm-hmm. and to trust his teammates more just because, like, he draws so much attention. You know, like, everybody knows he's a walking 30 to 40 ball every night, you know? So if you're getting two or three guys thrown at you, you got to be able to trust the other guys out there to make plays and make shots. You know, they're NBA players as well. They work just as hard as you, 
you do on a daily basis to protect it, to perfect their craft, you know? So I think um, his, he unlocking that dimension of being a good facilitator only continue to enhance his game and improve our chances of winning down the road. I think Ben fits this team perfectly. How has he been doing and how would you like to see him implemented with the team in terms of on court play? Like, you know, how he'll actually fit as a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been all right from what I've heard. Um, yeah. You know, he's just recovering from his injury. You know, it's been an injury that's been lingering since last year when he was in Philly. Um, so I think it's one of those things where he just, I mean, he's not going to really play until he's comfortable, you know? And right. I mean, if you're a basketball player, you know, back injuries can be very serious. And yeah. there's sometimes there's really no timetable until when you can be fully healed and it could take the smallest things to, you know, set you back you know, as far as you have work to get to where you're at, you know, so I think he just wants to be hundred percent sure, you know, so I feel like the last thing he wants to do is step out there, hasn't played all year, hasn't really had any live reps, be thrown into the fire that we've been in, you know, in a situation where we are now where it's high pressure, you know, all these, every game's important, you know, um, mm-hmm. and then potentially re-injure himself in, in a worse way, you know, um, but he's been doing well, you know, he's been very supportive. He's been around a lot, you know, it's not like he's been a ghost and, you know, he's, he's been there. Um, he's go, he goes at the games, he's at every practice, you know, so he's definitely doing this part. It's just a matter of time to where he gets on the court for us. Yeah. I mean, Ben is just because of the internet, because of memes, because of everything like that, that we live in now, like he is super underrated at, the, at this point, like an all NBA level player, high IQ plays so great at transition one of the best defenders in the league and i think he just fits everything the nets need right now oh definitely he definitely will he, he'll definitely unlock you know another yeah. to our team you know like he's a guy who's 6 11 with a great handle great finishing ability great 100%. passing ability you know people always want to spend so much time on what somebody can't do 100%. You know, but you gotta look at the things that he can do very well you know there's there's very rare that there's the perfect nba player you know I- and i feel like what he does at a high level, a lot of other guys can't do at a high level. I think you stole my quote. Have you been listening to Combo's Court? Because I think you stole my quote directly. Because I think, <laughs> like, I say that all the time. Like, everybody's focusing on one thing the guy can't do, which is just ridiculous when you just see how much mm-hmm. value he brings to the team. Dante, I want to finish with this. You played in what was called the D-League. Obviously, you worked with the G-League guys. Um, I remember you did some stuff preseason. How do you feel about the evolution of that league? Um, it has definitely come a very long way since I was there, you know, from, from facilities to travel to the consistency of the level of player to salary, you know, I think it's definitely heading in a lot, uh, a great direction. I mean, back then when I played, for example, one of the teams I played for, um, the team was owned by three NBA teams. You know, nowadays mm-hmm. it's almost like one to one. Is it all the way there? I think it's almost all the way there, right? Oh yeah, that's what I said. It's yeah. almost like to one to one. You know, yeah, and, right. and when you get when it's when it's at that level, you get those guys get so much more attention. You know, like I remember last year when I was coaching summer league, half our summer league team was guys who played in the G League. Right. You know, um, and when I played in the G League, it wasn't like that, you know, it was like some guys who played in the G League, some guys who played overseas, some former NBA players, you know, but for our team specifically, almost half of the guys were G League guys, you know, so I feel like those guys are getting more exposure, you know, more of an opportunity, 
um, call-ups are happening more. So for those type of guys in the G League, you know, so I definitely think it's heading in a great direction. Yeah, it was a good it was good to see. Obviously, there was a lot of unfortunate situations with everything going on in the NBA with protocols and everything. But it was great to see mm -hmm. some of these guys get opportunity in the NBA. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and they work hard for it. You know, like earlier this year, we had a, a day off or so. Um, and I went to Long Island to watch our G League team play. You know, it's just, just to check them out because some of those guys I coached in the summer league, you know, and I know all the guys on the staff. Um, so I just went to watch them and just to check in on them and to see how they're doing things over there, you know. Um, and I mean, it's it's a great um, it's a great avenue to get to the NBA. Is it tough? Yeah. Is do guys have a high success rate in terms of the amount of guys in the G League to translate into the NBA? Not so much, um, but you're constantly in the NBA spotlight every game. There's an NBA scout watching your game. So you have an opportunity to prove yourself, you know. So, I mean, if you're taking advantage of it, you're doing what you got to do, then you're going to put yourself in the best position to have success. Most definitely. Dante, looking ahead in your own career, what would you like to accomplish? I mean, you accomplished so much already, but just looking forward, what would you like to accomplish in uh, your basketball coaching career? Honestly, I want to try to get as far as I can with it, you know. Yeah. Um, um, I was in college for four years. This is my second year in the NBA. Um, and I kind of want to stay with this, in this avenue, you know, for the next couple of years to kind of see how far I get, whether it's being an assistant coach, a head coach, or mm -hmm. if I'm moving to the front office, you know, who mm -hmm. knows, you know, but I just want to give this a good shot for the next couple of years and then see what happens. Dante, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, talk soon. Really appreciate you, bro. No problem, my man. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Hey, Combo Nation, punch down on that subscribe button. If you haven't already, thank you to everyone who tunes into Combo's Court across the globe. Big shouts to Dante for joining in. We appreciate you. Don't forget to rate, review, and as I said already in this outro, punch down on that subscribe button. It's the follow button on the Apple Podcast app. Share this episode. Share it with a friend. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it on your IG stories and tag me. On Instagram at one two combo. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. Be on the lookout for episode three five four combo out.